Long time no see. I've been busy, and I haven't been really doing any of these podcasts. Despite paying for SoundCloud Premium and not actually doing anything with it. And so in this week's podcast, I'm going to discuss uh, something we've probably... Can't go a fucking day without hearing, for obvious reasons, coronavirus. I hit the table, that's going to be awful for the audio now. Well, I think essentially when it comes to coronavirus, living in Taiwan has been very privileged because this is probably one of the few fucking countries that didn't get overwhelmed like crazy. They knew what was going on. Uh, We're not in a situation where we're, any of us have really been in lockdown except for people that went into quarantine because you know they were worried that uh they were the people that were going to get sick and shit and you know this goes back and i'm gonna go to a timeline okay um i'm only gonna go up to april in taiwan with the situation but essentially december 31st taiwanese government or taiwanese cdc no mofa ministry for foreign affairs shoots off a message to good old Tedros and the boys over at uh, the WHO saying, Hey, yo, there might be a problem in China. That 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 does look like something pretty damn serious. So then they decide. Taiwan begins screening arriving passengers from Wuhan as they disembark at the airport. Fucking brilliant idea. And then it's not by January 20th that the actual CEC is set up. To combat the growing number of infections caused by novel coronavirus in neighboring countries. Yeah, China. And then it's the next day, on the 21st of January, they're like, bollocks, someone's got it. For Taiwan confirms the first case. And then they restrict Chinese tourists. And then the first group of Taiwanese on February 3rd are evacuated. Mask rationing begins. Mass hysteria. Cats and dogs marrying. Not really. There was no real hysteria. But people were going... Pretty full on when it came to buying masks. And I remember pretty well because that was February 6th. I think we... we uh, uh, yeah, it was around that time that when we'd finally gotten back from... No, no, that was back in January. Shit. So when we got back from Japan on a holiday, um, you know, we got back on January 13th. So the shit wasn't hitting the fan a lot. But... Trying to buy some goddamn masks was insane. I think we must have gone to like five or six different shops down one street. I've got, I honestly, I spent like a day or two walking around, you know, like not going super out of my way, but you know, if I saw a pharmacy or something, they've got any masks? Nope. Alcohol shit, you know, I always say it wrong. I, I put the Jing or the Jiu. I can't remember which one I mess up. It's Jiu Jing or Jing Jiu. I can't remember. I keep mixing them up. It isn't until I see the person's confused uh, face that I, you know, I turn those two characters around. They're like, oh, okay. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, so, yeah, the masks rationing. Yeah, you know, it was good. People got their masks. They went to the people that needed them the most. But, of course, a lot of people hoarded the masks. Um, uh, what happened next? Oh, yeah. It wasn't until February 16th that Taiwan recorded the first death. And let's fast forward a bit. Uh, Taiwan has travel alerts for uh, high-risk areas such as Europe, North Africa, and Dubai. And warnings get expanded for the US, Canada, and Australia in the following days. And Taiwan, March 18th. So from January 21st to March 18th, that's how long it took to get the 100 case confirmed. And this is when there were border controls that were tightened that only foreign visitors couldn't come to Taiwan now. And, you know, you got to have an ARC to get in, that sort of stuff, or a Taiwanese passport. And then transit passengers get banned. Taiwan, March 30th, March 30th confirms 300 extra, you know, 300 uh, cases. It rises to 306 by that stage. And you might be wondering, well, March 18th to March 30th, you know, it took nearly two months to get 100 cases. Why is there such a jump in, like, under two weeks for 300? A lot of people were coming back home. CDC was probably shitting their cacks. Uh, is this going to be manageable? They've been doing such a good job on it already. And of course, by April 1st, Tai Ing Wen, uh, you know, pledges, donate surgical masks and other type of assistance to other countries and the expansion of, of Taiwan's actual relief package, which 
Uh, yeah, we foreigners didn't get uh, stimulus unless we were married to locals. Thank you. Um, yeah, and then eventually masks become fucking, you know, mandatory on any public transport and everything else. But essentially, what you got to remember is right now across the world, at this stage right now today, what is it today? I'm going to check the date because I know it's Sunday, July 12th. I think it's over 12 million people have the disease. And an absolute crazy amount are dead as a result. And the US, Brazil, Russia, pretty much the litany of countries that are getting fucked over by this disease are continuously growing. I mean, Brazil, up until about three or four weeks ago, even a month ago, it was quite low compared to... Not quite low, obviously. But it wasn't number fucking two or three in the world. Today it is, and even the president has the disease. But then you see everywhere in Europe locking down. You see the attitudes before the lockdown with Trump, you got Boris Johnson, even the WHO. Their advice was that people don't really need to wear masks. And hold on, and let me just jump right in here. You can go to the WHO website like I have just right now. And where it says recommendations for international traffic, WHO continues uh, to advise against application of trade or uh, of travel or trade restrictions to countries experiencing COVID nineteen. In general, evidence shows that restricting the movement of people and goods during the public health emergencies is ineffective in most situations and may divert resources from other interventions. I think. With Taiwan's experience, we can tell that that was a load of bollocks. And although there is a fear that once these lockdowns and once borders begin to open, the virus is going to spread again anyway. But I don't think it can be denied that by essentially closing down borders and restricting the flow of people, it has had a huge significant effect for many countries. I mean, here's the thing. In Ireland... Everybody was nonchalant. It was like, ah, oh, it only affects like, you know, 1% of the population's going to get it. Why do, why do the rest of us got to care? That's only sick people. Fuck them. They're going to die anyway, right? And it was around this time when Italy started to get pretty fucked up by it all. And at that time as well, and I keep saying at this time, I'm so sorry. It was uh, the Six Nations, which is a rugby tournament between Ireland, Scotland, Wales, France, uh, Italy, and Scotland. And Ireland was supposed to play Italy, as far as I can remember. And I can't remember if it was the Irish going to Italy or the Italians coming to Ireland. But you're looking at a massive fucking breakout of, potentially at the time, a global pandemic for a disease that was already recognized as being, you know, this is going to fuck shit up. People didn't give a fuck. And it wasn't until, um, honestly, this is my opinion of Ireland, it wasn't until um, St. Patrick's Day the St. Patrick's Day parades across the country got pulled, that people finally fucking started to realize, oh shit, this, maybe I shouldn't have gone on that holiday to Italy. Even my own folks, you know, they decided to fly to the Canary Islands because they had booked a holiday. And I remember my mother was saying to me, you know, listen, son, when it's your time to go, it's your time. And all this, and I was like, oh, Jesus, man. <laughs> I, was fucking I was calling them in the airport before they flew out. Two days in Fort Aventura on the Canary Islands. Spain has now gone into lockdown. <laughs> and they're fucking stuck indoors. So they go on holiday just to be locked down in another country. And have to wait like until they can get the flight home. Because this was before all the flights were getting cancelled. And people were still, you know, I think they were on one of the last few flights to get out fully. Um, so they get home. They're fine. They both get tested. And took them two weeks to get tested and another like week and a half to get a text message to say, you, you're not sick, you can go back to work now. And that was the attitude of a lot of people because, you know, I'm going to play some clips right now. And you're going to hear Boris Johnson, Mr. Trumpa Trumpa. And, uh, you know, this is the attitude of masks and people just didn't give a shit. And it's like, even Boris Johnson, you're going to hear him talk about shaking hands with goddamn coronavirus patients right now. Well, I feel about vaccines like I feel about tests. This is going to go away without a vaccine. Of all we've done, the risk 
to the American people remains very low. It's going to go away, and it's uh, we're not going to see it again, hopefully, after a period of time. Yeah, I, was at a, I was at a hospital the other night where I think there were, a few, there were actually a few coronavirus uh, patients, and I shook hands with everybody. Okay. Uh, uh, lastly, because we're getting a number of questions about masks, and mm. I certainly saw people on the weekend in Toronto wearing masks around. Yeah. There are shortages of them in Vancouver and elsewhere in the country. Is it required? Is it a good practice right now to wear a mask? So the short answer to that is no, well, it's not. You can't wear a mask and wash your hands and social distance. I, I don't understand. I, I got no respect for you, man. I don't buy your argument. So listening to that, and now I'm going to let you listen to anti-maskers. And I was just gleaning over the internet. And, you know, on... Uh, on the page, I asked people, you know, saying, like, I'm talking about fucking next podcast and stuff. People were saying that, you know, the difference between Taiwan and maybe the rest of the world and, and so far as mask culture, which is a bit of a fucking weird thing. You know, mask culture? Where the fuck did this come from? It's a whole new, you know, mask culture just sounds like it's going to be a whole new set of um, pornographic uh, fetishization that's going to be going on like there are probably already is coronavirus uh, porn as i have definitely not checked if there is or i haven't seen it or anything so you don't tell my girlfriend but here i'm gonna let you listen to these fucking nuts and at the very end i think uh tom hanks is there just to tell people if you're not wearing a mask you're a fucking idiot that doesn't reserve respect so here you go have a listen try not to let your blood boil too much and uh yeah you'll see Living in Taiwan, these attitudes don't really exist. Uh, all right, I'm just going to shut up and let you do it. Go. I have been working as an essential worker since this began. I have not worn a mask. Keep this listening to conditioning messages in your local stores while shopping, just like Fidel Castro did over the loudspeakers in Cuba. Don't you see the problem? The truth is out there. Just go seek the truth. If you believe in God, you know he gave us life and he can take away our life. And I just, I'm, I'm, at the end, I don't wear a mask for the same reason I don't un wear underwear. Things gotta breathe. We will get together and do a citizen's arrest on every single human being that goes against the freedom of choice. I've okay. been a music teacher for 23 years. I need you to tell me how do I play a saxophone and sing with a mask on? I'll let you think about that. Okay, you cannot mandate you literally cannot mandate somebody to wear a mask knowing that that mask is killing people. It literally is killing people. Where and do you derive the authority to regulate human breathing? Okay, and every single one of you that are obeying the devil's laws are going to be arrested. And you, doctor, are going to be arrested for crimes against humanity. Every single one of you. So after listening to that, all I could say is, even before coronavirus in Taiwan, masks were always still being goddamn worn. Anybody that's listening to this that's following me already knows that. But anybody uh, outside of Taiwan listening, it is pretty common if you get sick, you wear a mask. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, well, before I came to Asia, you know, I in Ireland, I'd see some Asian students wearing masks. And I used to be like, Jesus, are they doctors or something? Or... I would think they're seriously fucking ill. Like, who wears a mask on a sh their mask on a street or something? You know, a bit ignorant. And when I went to China, uh, wearing masks was mostly for preventing breathing and pollution. But, you know, wearing a mask in pollution levels that high is like, you know, it's as useful as a fart in a spacesuit. It does fucking nothing. But then in Taiwan, it's like, if you're sitting, you know, even on the MRT before the crisis, you'd have the announcer be like, if you are sick with a cold, flu, or symptoms, please wear a mask. You know, you have that, like, fake American accent that they always put on the uh, the voiceovers on MRTs. And, yeah, you'd see people that look sick, or you'd see girls that hadn't put their makeup on yet, or you'd see people that maybe just didn't want to, you know, you'd be antisocial with a mask. And you put on a pair of shades, and you put on a mask, you could be... You could be a really awesome pervert in public transport. You could look at anyone. You could smile like a creepy cunt. And, I mean, I'm not endorsing that by any means, but, you know, it's true. You could sit there and just be, like, moving your eyes around, and you could like, make facial expressions, or you would you could hide your face. You don't have to, like, show people, you know, you're not wearing makeup and crap. And also, people wear it when they're driving their scooters and shit as well, so they don't get their fucking you know, fumes in their mouth and stuff. And 
mass culture's always been here. And I think a big reason for it is... I wonder if you can hear me scratching my head. And I burped too. I'm sorry. It was a little one. I haven't really eaten that much today. So I think my belly's rumbling as well. But I can't hear because i got these headphones and listening to myself speak. But essentially, because of SARS, as we all know, mass culture in Taiwan took off. People... When you think about Taiwan, okay, you have to remember, Taiwan is not represented in the WHO whatsoever. Twenty Over 20 million people in Taiwan at risk of coronavirus, and the WHO's attitude is to act as if it doesn't fucking exist. And for a long time, I mean, Taiwan kind of showed off to the rest of the world that the WHO is, and let's be frank... I mean, this is probably one of the few things that I would think that... I know it's going to sound weird, but Donald Trump, you know, fuck the WHO. Of course, he's only really doing it, not because he actually cares, but because it's going to win him a bit of points. And, you know, he can offset um, America's inactivity towards preventing the spread of the virus by always blaming the WHO or China. To a degree, he's right. China lied its fuck lied through its fucking teeth the whole time. They didn't release the information soon enough. There's even fucking, you know, reports that this could have been going on since November. And even further back, and they just didn't say anything. They were trying to keep it hush-hush to maybe try to contain it and not lose, you know, political uh, capital, I think is the right way to put it. I don't know. But then you also got to think about it. The United States isn't exactly kicking ass when it comes to this virus either. And a big part of it is because of how the administration dealt with the disease. So, yeah. I do think in so far as Donald Trump saying, you know, it's the uh, CTO, the China... No, not CTO. CHO, China Health Organization. Um, I don't think to that degree. I do think that China, along with other big nations, especially large contributors... They're going to have a fucking big sway on the organization. I mean, the IMF as well. The biggest contributors would be America and Japan and some others. And they're the ones that have the most influence. When it comes to the WHO, you're looking at a virus that's similar to SARS or MERS or something. can't remember the name of it. Middle Eastern... Oh, whatever. You're looking at a country that could potentially have one of the worst modern pandemic spread with a country of over a billion people i think the who was in some ways they just wanted to get the information they didn't care whose ego they had to stroke um if they had to stroke china's ego to get that information they were gonna fucking do it because they know i think we all know the fragility of the chinese communist party and they, I don't think they really wanted to push the envelope. I think they wanted to get enough of what they needed to do what they had to do. But the problem is, by only getting enough information to be, you know, basically spoon-fed to them, um, they missed out on the opportunity to potentially push for more information that could have actually done something. They could have been able to warn countries quicker. They could have been able to kind of showcase that this is actually pretty serious and that countries need to take more preventative measures. We have to remember, the WHO was advocating that unless you have symptoms, don't wear a mask, while ignoring the fact that asymptomatic people or people that have the disease but don't have symptoms can still fucking spread the disease. And yeah, I think the WHO fucked up big time. And I think part of it was Chinese influence within the organization, but also the desire for a pragmatic approach to getting information out of China was definitely probably a concern for the organization. So I don't think it's like this thing of like just China Health Organization or anything. I think it's a bit of more of a mixture of many different factors and that the people that were having to try deal with the situation, that they turned around and were like, China, fuck you. Give me the information now, you arseholes. China would just turn around and be like, fuck you then, I'm not, th I'm not telling you shit. And you know what? We're not going to close our borders. We're not going to fucking help you. We're not going to give you the antibodies. We're not going to do the research. We're not letting you do dick with us right now. Then the situation probably would have been maybe worse. We don't know. Anyway, 
getting back to my point, which I completely forgot was, um, so yeah, Taiwan in many ways has been left out of that organization. And it's maddening because Taiwan's probably been the only country that was prepared for this in a meaningful fucking way. All this praise for China, this China, that when we don't even, we can't even trust the goddamn numbers to be accurate about who died, who got infected. And listen, no country's perfect. Every country kind of, you know, didn't really expect this. A lot of countries never went through stars or I don't think there's been a global pandemic, uh, in a meaningful way that's impacted everybody's lives around the world since Spanish flu. And, you know, you see the news in countries where people are locked inside their houses for fucking months. People have lost their jobs. People have lost their livelihoods. People have lost family, friends. And on the other side of it is people are trapped around the world. There's a lot of um, foreign expats in Taiwan. Foreign expats, that makes no sense. Foreign nationals in Taiwan that are stuck here because they can't get flights out of here. And that's happening all over the world. Could have happened to my parents, but thankfully they were able to get a flight home. But... You know, if I wasn't watching the news from Ireland, or if I didn't have, you know, some BBC news on my television on cable, I don't really think I would notice there is a global pandemic. Life in Taiwan is normal. It's really normal. The only thing I have to worry about is if, you know, bollocks, I forgot my mask, I need to go on the MRT later. That's my concern at the, uh, during the day. I can go out and have a drink in a pub like I did on Friday night. I can go to a nice restaurant. I can cycle around, go shopping, see all my friends, don't need to social distance. And it's it's surreal to know that everybody else I know is trapped at home like my friend Sabah. Every time I call him, he's just inside. I think the only time anybody really goes out is just to go grocery shopping. or You have to stay within 20 kilometers of your home. And another weird thought that came into my head thinking about Europe is, what about drug dealers? How are they doing anything? You know, you're only allowed to go out to shop and shit. You know, it's like, oh, fuck. You know, you go to the shop and you have to meet like 20 people at once just to get them, just to give them their fucking, you know, drugs and shit. I've always been thinking about like, what the fuck are addicts doing? What are junkies doing? Like, I know you can't say junkie. It's not the right way. Um, What's the right way? Uh, A drug addict or something. I, I don't know the political play the correct term for that so you have to forgive me for that but what the fuck are they doing at the moment how are they getting the fix or their fix um those are the types of things that have been going through my head at night you know not thinking about the philosophical nature of Nietzsche's idea of eternal return and the love of fate amor fati. I've been thinking how the fuck do drug dealers and people that need their 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 most beautiful drugs how do they meet during uh, the lockdowns and coronavirus? And do they keep a safe distance? You know, or like, I really hope this is the case that drug dealers are keeping a social distance between each other of at least 1.5 to 2 meters in public spaces. But anyway, getting back to the point, which unfortunately for you, I don't think there fucking really is one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm actually trying to remember what I was going to talk about. Uh, oh, yeah, so I think it was, yeah, eventually Tedros, uh, the guy that's uh, director of the WHO, came out with a statement that he could accept personal attacks against him for being black, but he drew the line at happening to other Africans and other black people, and that he said that there was a campaign of like racist uh, comments and all this sort of stuff that was coming from Taiwan. And if you want me to be specific, three months ago, this attack came from Taiwan. We need to be honest. I will be straight today. From Taiwan. And Taiwan, the foreign ministry also, they know the campaign. They didn't dissociate themselves. They even started criticizing me in the middle of all that insult and slur. The simple truth was, it was a load of bollocks. The government directing people to cause internet harassment of the head of the WHO from Taiwan is fucking ludicrous. Maybe he should have thought. What about the country that has 
something like 300,000 people that comment online defending China who can also be turned on to attack other people. Maybe China was actually sending a lot of these messages pretending they were Taiwanese. Because in fairness, if you know, if you've ever been on Twitter or fucking YouTube and you go to this shit, you see a shit ton of bots. You see a shit ton of fake accounts. I mean, I get called by all the time. And it's kind of ironic, you know, white left. It's like, dude, you're Chinese. You know, your country's literally called the People's Republic of China. You're a communist country. You couldn't get more fucking left in your name. Left in reality? Bullshit. It's a totalitarian capitalist society driven by, you know, the Communist Party, which is as communist as... I'm trying to think of a good analogy right now. They are as communist as... Gordon Gecko. There we go. That's a good analogy because he's not communist. He's super capitalist. Okay, there we go. Awesome. All right, so Tedros, I think, missed an opportunity. But I think he also was feeding into the ego of people because Taiwan was getting a lot of praise around the world. People were starting to take notice of the fact that the virus is not spreading here. And they were saying, you know, the proximity of Taiwan to China the fact that so many Taiwanese live in China or came back from China, or it's just simply the fact that the cross-strait traveling and business would make you think that Taiwan was going to be the country most affected by coronavirus. But no, the not a part of the WHO. Taiwan had to take care of itself. If anything was to happen in Taiwan with such a, you know, a huge pandemic, no one's coming to help Taiwan, especially when other countries are having to deal with the virus themselves. Instead, what happened is that Taiwan had to put in its own CECC. Oh, God, I can't. I'm trying to fucking be articulate, but I'm not at the moment. Taiwan essentially just had to take care of itself. Nobody was coming for it. The only country that was going to come to help Taiwan would be China, and that would be coming with strings attached. And it was important that. Like, in many other respects of Taiwan's international uh, political situation, Taiwan was by itself, and they had to plan accordingly. And that's why all these measures that were brought into place um, prevented the spread of the disease. I mean, I remember they had the cruise ship that came to Jilong, or Kilong, and yeah, they had passengers walking around. I think that one guy from Hong Kong or something, could be wrong about that. Um, had the disease and he might have given it to other passengers and you know they went to Keelong, Taipei uh, they were in Ximen yeah Mingshan and they went back onto the boat and I think it was Audrey Tang had implemented a system to show people on a Google map where where were they were from which times and even like the online warning systems that we have here the similar ones to what happens if there's an earthquake, heavy rain, or typhoon, 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 typhoon. It's fantastic, because now you know. I wasn't at here at these times. Do I know anybody that was? You can figure out pretty quickly if you were somebody that needs to monitor their health. And if you were in those places at those times, uh, maybe you should self-monitor. Maybe work from home. And that's been another thing. Well, the rest of the world gets to work from home. Most of us here can't <laughs> because Taiwanese offices are like, fuck you. You're coming in where I can keep an eye on you. How do I know you're working, hey? Um, so, yeah, I actually got to work from home for, I think, a total of four or five weeks in my office because, thankfully, the management of my, uh, my company has been pretty, I'd say, on point with everything. Um before you come in, you have to get your, take your temperature before you leave as well. Uh, recommended to wash your hands very, you know, two, you have to sing happy birthday two times. So you have to say happy birthday, happy birthday, and then you've washed your hands. Quite literally just saying happy birthday twice because that's a fucking joke. And I think it got to a stage where there was, so, I can't remember when exactly it was. I think it was around March or April. And there was a general fear of the virus actually spreading. And, you know, not fear, but concern for sure. And we were all able to work from home. I went a bit crazy. I bought a shit ton of supplies. Like, I bought so many beans that I can't fucking eat. I bought a fuck ton of pasta. I'm not even joking. Uh, bought a lot of uh, canned, canned foods. Uh, what do you call those things? Chickpeas. 
tomato, tomato puree, um, lots of mackerel in tins. But the thing was, I didn't do the whole, oh my god, I gotta go shopping and buy shit, I'm gonna die. Um, I actually was buying, I was buying like maybe 20% extra food every time I went shopping. I didn't go out like crazy and buy, you know, 2,000 fucking packets of diapers just in case we became incontinent while being locked inside and we're shitting ourselves or something like that. Uh, <coughs> sorry, my throat. It's actually quite dry because I keep talking so much. And, yeah, well, I just bought the essentials. And then I, you know, maybe I bought, like, uh, an extra packet or two of pasta. Or maybe I bought an extra can or two of something. And I did it over time. I didn't panic buy. Because I saw, I think there was only really a couple of instances where people were panic buying. And I think it was after, you know, big news that had come out about, like, Potential coronavirus, uh, blah, blah, blah. And I think uh, the other big thing was people, because some fucking dickhead online, uh, line isn't being the uh, messenger app that you can get on your phone, um, some fucking dickhead online started spreading a rumor that, I think it was also on the media, actually I can't remember fully, but I know there was a politician that we all fucking know that was talking shite about... Um, because I know it was a line group initially, because that's what people were telling me. There's a line group where somebody was, like, telling people you should buy toilet paper. It's, a, it's made from the same material as masks. You can make masks from it. And, you know, you had a ton of, like, old people that were like, Oh, Jesus! Oh, Jesus! And they ran down to the shops, and they were, like, buying every fucking toilet piece of toilet paper they could fucking hands on. So for a while, I mean, I was rationing my toilet paper. I think everybody else in the world that was happening. But I don't know why everybody else in the rest of the world was doing it. Because I know in Taiwan there was some bullshit rumor that you could use them as mask material. What the fuck was going on in the rest of the world? Were people genuinely afraid that they wouldn't be able to wipe their arse? I mean, listen. I'm going to be honest. If I, if, I had, if I had tons of money, I wouldn't have toilet paper in a home. I'd actually build a bathroom to have one of the squirty bum guns that you have in Thailand because they're far more comfortable and it makes you cleaner. I mean, listen, if you were to rub a bit of poo on the side of your hand and you grabbed a bit of tissue and you just wiped it off, would you feel clean? Absolutely fucking not. You would think you're disgusting. I got to get some soap. I got to wash this off or just a bit of running water, you know, get rid of the, you know, it's disgusting, right? But people don't feel that way about their arseholes. You just wipe it off. It's good as good as gold. Especially, you know, if you're, um, you know, like me, Western European, Northern West Europe, whatever. I'm, you know, I'm a hairy bastard, basically. I'm hairy, you know. And after I've gone to the toilet and I have toilet paper, sometimes it can feel like I'm trying to get peanut butter out of a carpet. And that's the reality. And I would rather use a squirty gun on my butthole. And that's the lesson I learned from Thailand. Out of everything I could have learned, out of every single experience, I saw, you know, fucking coral swimming out in the middle of the ocean. I didn't need a life jacket because, and, you know, it was me and my missus and we went out with a group of people, uh, all Chinese, and including my missus, none of them could swim. So they all have life jackets and they're screaming in the water. I'm, I'm jumping around, I'm having a great time. I see all the fishies. And the number one lesson I learned in fucking Thailand was squirty guns are amazing. And even if you don't have a squirty gun, and you don't have some goddamn toilet paper, go for a fucking shower. Just, just you know, invert the head of the shower, put it next to your butt cheek, or, you know, in the middle of your butt cheeks, because that's where it comes. Just wash it off that way. You don't need toilet paper. What the fuck? You know, let's be honest with ourselves. You're locked inside all the time. And your biggest worry is toilet paper. Like, I'm gonna... Oh, fuck off. You know, if... If I was in a lockdown situation, I would, honest to God, just buy DVDs and video games. CDs. The actual physical CDs. Because, God forbid, everybody's online and the fucking internet slows down and I can't watch anything. And I don't have anything I could stick into my computer or PlayStation to watch. That would actually be my concern. As well as food, obviously. But um, I didn't have to worry about that too much since I had built up a quite a good storage uh, over time and even right now i still have some leftover food from that period uh we're trying to get through it because it's fucking ridiculous to have all that food in the press uh although 
considering we're in typhoon season right now between June and October, it's not a bad idea to have some extra stuff in the fridge. But anyway, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm really getting off track right now. And just to go back to the point I was making, if I actually had a point, um, the whole situation in Taiwan lent itself to kind of show the rest of the world that the mismanagement of coronavirus really kind of went back to China and the rest of the world. It's that there is a point to which you can blame China for, you know, doing it fucking terrible job at letting other people know by the way there's a bit of a virus it's killing people i just let you know nope didn't do it uh everybody in europe and america were arrogant as fuck they they were like i don't need to wear a mask i have freedom yeah freedom's not going to make you fuck you know you see you see these posts constantly right of um people talking about oh fuck you i'm going to a beach now i don't need to be afraid and then like the next day I've just found out I have coronavirus. Um, you know, God help me. God God will guide me through these hard times. And then like a week later, they're dead. And you keep seeing that over and over and over. Is that people that believe in... Because I, I don't know. It's like there's this big conspiracy shit that goes on with people who want to make their lives more interesting because they're terribly boring people. And they need to believe that there's a higher purpose that's coming after them and everything they believe in just to make their lives feel like a Michael Bay movie because they're boring-ass fucking people with mental problems. Not not to, like, you know, shit on people with mental problems, but I'm just talking this shit right now. And for me personally, um, looking at Taiwan, I think it's because people's egos just don't get in the way. It's like, dude, just wear a fucking mask. Like, that's not to say that there haven't been issues of... You get on the MRT and you have somebody with their nose hanging out of their mask. It looks like, you know, they've put up their pants and missed their dick and it's just hanging out. It's like, and I have, you know, while on the MRT, I have, you know, like told people, you should probably wear your mask or given them like the dirty look of like, what the fuck, man, wear a fucking mask. And I kind of feel like a dick because I'm like the only person doing it on the, on the MRT. But, you know, back when this shit was fresh and people were genuinely worried you did see other people tell other people you should put your mask on properly and correctly. But right now, I think because there's a general relaxed view of everything that you've gone almost 100 days without a local infection. Yeah, I guess people on public transport, they, I think wearing the mask at this stage is more of a formality at this stage. I mean, obviously, it's there to protect you if there is a spread of the virus and nobody knows about that. But... I think there is a weird sense that eh, it's just a formality. I'm just putting it on, whatever. And then when you get downstairs, you see them with the, the mask down at the chin. Or you see them with their mask, like, barely hanging on at the bottom of their chin with their mouth open and their nose. So, you know, whatever. And, you know, at this stage right now in Taiwan, there's no real issue. Not that much. I think even Taiwan's economy right now is set to grow to at 1.6%, while the rest of the world is potentially looking at double-digit uh, contraction in their economies uh, over 20% unemployment rates and this is probably going to be you know a pretty shitty fucking situation to be in in, in like a year or two when or even right now who knows I mean when SARS happened after SARS there was like a boom in the economies and world trade kind of exploded because they finally got everything back but as somebody that does actually have experience working with shipping what I can tell you is that the biggest problem with world trade right now is that, number one, there aren't enough um, air freight is very high and expensive because they don't have enough planes. You have to, you know, do chartered flights and that costs more money. Air freight is expensive now. The, you know, if you're going to do it, do it for like a document or something. I think one friend had to get their FBI report over from the US or over to somewhere else. I can't remember. They paid $800 for a piece of paper. You can imagine how much that's going to cost you in DHL in Taiwan if you had to send something a bit heavy. So, ocean freight, on the other hand, you know, the big containers you see like Wanhai and Yangming and um, Maersk and all those big companies. Um, I think the problem is there's an imbalance of equipment around the world. So those containers you see where they put everything in, they're kind of um, in demand big time. And the reason why they're in demand is because 
if a ship gets cancelled because they can't get enough people to book on it, or like say they only have like 10% capacity or even less than that on the ship, why would you send the ship out? You just cancel it. Um, or they're putting ships out and just selling them without any cargoes to save on expenses. And they just like basically will put their shipments on somebody else's ship. So essentially what the problem is, it's called uh, container fluidity. And containers, there's an imbalance. Some ports have enough containers, some have not enough. And because of uh, social distancing and lockdowns, even the containers that have arrived in other countries aren't getting collected and aren't being brought back because how are you going to get trucking if the person that's driving a truck is not seen as essential? And that's where we're seeing this huge situation of it's basically a backlog situation if you want to be very simple about it. And even by the time this coronavirus shit stops, there's still going to be a long time before World Trade can properly ramp up. So that's another concern. But just like SARS, um, once it ramps up, it's going to ramp up pretty quickly. And I think there will be um, global economic activity that's going to be beneficial for anybody right now that's without a fucking job. But who the fuck knows, to be honest with you? I mean, we're... Who even knows when this? Um, who even knows when this is all going to end? Nobody does, and that's the problem. And I think another thing about the coronavirus that kind of showcased some issues in Taiwan, actually, like yeah, it's been great. We've all been treated quite well. Uh, foreigners have been allowed to get masks. Uh, foreign residents, and I think tourists up until a very, I think tourists as well, they can get them as long as they have a passport or a form of identification. So. I think some issues were that if you go back and you listen to that, you know, whole Tedro speech about uh, black people are being attacked and uh, he could take an attack as an individual. Uh, he's a proud black man. And he was using that as a way to showcase that Taiwan was being racist. Well, if you were, to, I think the problem is number one, he said it was like the way he's described. It was like a coordinated attack from the government. It wasn't, it was a load of bullshit. Um, there definitely were people online in Taiwan, like PTT and Facebook and, you know, Dcard and shit that were kind of making pretty borderline to very racist comments about Tedros. Um, I mean, that's nothing new. And if you go on to some forum pages, you see their attitudes even towards other Taiwanese people that are, you know, Hakka or like uh, ind indigenous peoples or Austronesians, because I can't remember exactly i should say that but apologies um there is a lot of that that happens but obviously that's online as well i mean in other countries in the world it happens too but that doesn't absolve the issue but it isn't a coordinated attack it isn't um people being led to attack the who in that way i think if anything the rest of the world was pretty pissed off at the who and to offset that Tedros kind of put the blame on Taiwan. But I think the, the biggest worry was that like a single incidence of racism um, towards showcasing Taiwan as being racist was a possibility. Tsai Ing-wen had come out and said, you know, Taiwan's not racist, blah, 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 blah. Okay, you're right. But in a way, you look at migrant workers and the way they're treated. You look at the hierarchical society that exists here where in terms of foreigners, I mean, you could... And you go, why, blah, blah, blah. You, everybody listening knows about this, right? Like, white worshipping exists here to a, to a degree. White privilege, too. Uh, migrant workers, uh, they'd be Southeast Asian workers. Many of them aren't even protected under labor laws here. Um, and it's institutional problems. As far as other racist things, it's that there were people online doing some racist um, commenting that could be used against Taiwan as a whole. And that's where these issues of um, blackface that was occurring in Taiwan happened, is that when you see somebody like Tedros, and this is somebody potentially would have the, you know, it, go look at any fucking Chinese news channel and you hear, you, you even have one where he's speaking and in the background, it's like this thundering music. Duh, 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 duh. They're making it out to be like this big fucking, he's right, Taiwan is racist. They'll spin this shit for the guy. And 
if news media picks up a story in Taiwan about blackface or racism, it's going to be misconstrued that these individuals who maybe didn't understand the meaning behind what they said, because I think we've all had this big discussion that um, some of these concepts might not necessarily be understood in Taiwan. I think that's fair enough. And I think even myself, I've come around a bit more to this, you know, taking a step back and just discussing it with people, understanding it more rather than just calling it out. And I think for me, that's kind of been a, you know, something I've learned, but I still stand by my statement in that if somebody comes out with a video of, you know, blackface, or if somebody comes out with a statement about black people, or if there's something that happens that in some way that an individual can paint Taiwan as racist, which could happen, because like I said, you're represented, people are representatives of their countries, especially right now during a global crisis, where Taiwan is in a situation that makes um, it isolated. And on the internet, People are going to take what you say and do, and there isn't probably going to be a lot of sympathy for this is cultural reasons why we did this and didn't understand. Well, yeah, I think in Taiwan and the situation that was, you know, it worked out, but on a global stage where the story can be spun, if news media takes it up, especially if China did in Tedros, and it's going to make Taiwan really goddamn embarrassed. And it's only going to hurt the cause of Taiwan to showcase itself as being a country of tolerance. I mean, let's even before all this, even before COVID-19, there are a lot of problems of discrimination against foreign nationals in Taiwan. And I think many of these issues um, are actually quite difficult to bring up with people locally because um, it's seen as an attack on Taiwanese society and culture for a foreigner to call it out for issues. And you're always brought back to the cherry-picking argument, as I call it. Well, in America, this. Oh, well, in Europe, this. Oh, well, here, this. To me, it's about offsetting blame by showing others are racist. But if somebody's being a racist too, and you call it out and somebody else says, well, you can't really complain. Look, in America, they do this. And it's like, well, how's that going to help me here? I understand America's racist. Well, you should go back to your own country and deal with your own problems. Well, I'm a resident and I live here, you know? Imagine being here for 20 years and being told by some dickhead, hey, if you don't like it, you should leave Taiwan. It's like, no, I live here, dude. <laughs> I pay taxes 20 years of my life or something, you know, that sort of shit. Um, so I think that was kind of a big problem, was the worry that something could be used against Taiwan. I mean, Tedros coming out and being like, the attack came from Taiwan and all this shit. It was a racist attack. And the Ministry for Foreign Affairs hasn't done jack shit. Why would he say this? Like, what's going on? Like, to me, I thought it was something that was going to ramp up an actual campaign against Taiwan. Thankfully, not really. But I think um, Taiwan, in many cases, um, like I said, the blackface stuff, it could have been misconstrued and used against Taiwan. And thankfully, um, most people have been pretty understanding about what the meaning is. And there have been a lot of other people that have been accusing people of being upset about it to be your, you know, oh, Western values. But I'm not going to get into that now. It's been such a long time since that happened. Well, not a long time, but you know what I mean. But like I said, my main concern, a lot of concern of other people was um, even if we reach out to the people and they understand that they take it down if it keeps happening then there is the potential that this as an issue could be taken up and showcase taiwan as being racist despite taiwan saying it isn't and as we all know taiwan is a very welcoming country people are very nice here they're you know it's like anywhere you know it's like the degrees to which something is um racism here does it exist yeah it exists everywhere to a degree that has impacted my life um, not so much, not really. I think I'm a white guy. I got white privilege here. I'm not even going to fucking deny it. It's true. You know, you don't you don't need a fucking rocket science to tell you that. I think the experience of other people would definitely be different. And I think I might have my friend Lide come on the show sometime. The show. <laughs> it's not a show, it's a podcast made by some arsehole living in his house that had to put a blanket over his fridge because it was too loud and upsetting the noise. And she could talk about, you know being a person of color living in Taiwan and her experiences. And I think overall, 
I'm just uh, harkening back to a previous point. Taiwan is safe. There's nothing really happening here that's made me want to leave and go back to Ireland. In fact, I would rather fuck it. If I was in Ireland stuck there, um, I'd want to come back to Taiwan. And in May, I actually had to give up my flight because uh, shit was hitting a f the fan. And I knew if I left Taiwan and I wanted to go see my, my niece, my, my sister just had a kid recently, see my family and everything else. But, you know, it would literally be stuck two weeks in isolation, maybe a day or two to see the family back home, two weeks isolation in Taiwan. Yeah, not a good thing. Um, but then recently, I think at the end of June, the law was changed where Taiwanese students, migrant workers, and um, diplomats or business people or whatever could come to Taiwan, had to do their quarantine. But every other foreigner, uh, people with gold cards as well, because they are technically only ARC holders, I guess, as well, technically. And ARC holders had to provide a COVID-19 test that was within three days, uh, the results of which were within three days of their flight that was leaving their home country to come to Taiwan, or they couldn't board, or they couldn't get into the country or whatever. That was bullshit. Because the CDC had, the CECC had basically said that because foreigners are outside the system, uh, they will not be taken care of, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, I as a foreigner in Taiwan, as a foreign resident, I pay NHI and I pay taxes. I pay into that system. And it's bullshit to be told you have to be outside the system because you're foreign. Well, what about people that don't pay into the fucking system that come back and they're citizens that haven't paid for NHI? Are you going to tell me that they are outside the system now? No, they're going to get covered. They'll be fucking fine. But I guess it was just that idea that you can still pay for the system, but you'll never belong to that system. And it was the same with the stimulus vouchers. I pay taxes in Taiwan. I pay taxes many years here. So many other foreigners. But unless you're a foreigner that's married to a Taiwanese, you can't get the vouchers. Why? No fucking reason was given. Nothing. It's obvious the reason is that we want to take care of our own. A lot of people were coming out saying, well, foreigners earn twice as much as the national minimum wage. But then if you look at the average income in Taiwan, it's around 49000 The minimum income for a foreign national as a foreign specialist is around 47000 And then if you're working as a migrant worker, I think it's just above minimum wage, depending. And then if you're a caregiver, it's below minimum wage because you fall outside the law. So if you're really concerned about foreigners getting it because we have, you know, a minimum that's higher than locals, well, why don't you give a shit about Taiwanese that are earning over 100000 that are getting vouchers that they don't need? Why isn't this something that's means-tested? Why is it that, you know, just being foreigner, you know, not necessarily just foreign professionals that do earn, you know, pretty pretty good books for what they do in Taiwan. Not going to lie, the, the minimum that exists there is pretty high. Um, I mean, it's not even, well, to be honest, it's high for Taiwan and for local wages, but to attract international talent, it's not actually that high. But just hearkening back, I mean, looking at the situation, it, it was easy for foreigners to look like they're being selfish for, for wanting vouchers. But what about people that don't need the vouchers because they're fucking minted? What about people that actually do need the vouchers that earn below minimum wage? Like uh, some, you know, many caregivers. Or what about people that are very, you know, actually could... I mean, listen, if you're uh, a higher income earner, you're going to be spending the money more. So it, do, it did make sense that foreigners that pay taxes could get it. Again, uh, just like the U-Bike situation, nobody gave a shit about thinking about how the foreigners fit into the whole thing. But that was something that kind of annoyed me. And as well as that, the situation of... Uh, you know, needing the test. So here, let me run through a scenario. I go to Ireland maybe tomorrow, which is Monday. And I get there Tuesday because, you know, time difference and flying hours. Or maybe not because I get eight hours back if I go back. So actually, I don't know. I haven't done the calculations. Ugh, I have to yawn. And I get to Ireland. I have my flight in two weeks. I'm like, bollocks. I've just found out today. That if I don't get a test within three days, uh, resu the results within three days of my flight, I'm not boarding that plane and going home. All right, cool beans. 
so I go down to the, I look online, how do I get a coronavirus test? Well, you have to have symptoms and you have to go to your doctor and your doctor will examine you or whatever, or he'll, you can call him and he'll organize and register you to take a test, which can take anywhere from one to two weeks to get. Fuck. What if it's two weeks? I miss my flight. I can't get my results. Okay. Let's say I get my test within one week. And I've lied that, oh, <coughs> oh, I have a terrible cough on me, doctor. I'm fucking dying. I think I need the El Coronavirus test. And I get the test. You know, they, they shove the thing up your nose. I got that done, actually, when I, I went to hospital with food poisoning in Taiwan. I had it done three times. It was fucking sore. You get the, you get the nose swab right up your nose. Wah! You know, all the way up there. Little tickle, tickle, tickle. And take it out. And, okay, so that's one week. Now, I might need to wait a couple of days, maybe a week or two, to get my results. And fingers crossed I get them within three days. Three days before my fucking flight. You, 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 you get a text message alert that you're, you don't have the virus. Or if you do have the virus, I think it's like, I can't, I don't know, because I've never actually looked up, what do you do if you do have the virus? If you get the, if you don't have the virus, you just text message you. Am I going to be able to board a plane with a text message that says I'm not sick with the coronavirus? Do I need to get, like, the actual document? Do I need to go to, you know, um, the Taipei representative office to get this authenticated, even though it takes seven working days? What the fuck do I do? You know, it's... And there's so many countries where you just can't get the fucking test like that. It's unreasonable. It doesn't make sense. And there's, you know... Some says, you know, in the U.S., there's, like, centers that are too far away from where people live. And if you do want to get it and you do want to expedite the process, you're probably paying a lot of money, if you can, because there's so many people being tested. It didn't make sense. And the response that I heard from the CECC was, um, you know, uh, if other people's countries uh, can't uh, get coronavirus tests or for their citizens that want to come back to Taiwan, then that's their problem. That was kind of the attitude, or this is what's happening in America as well. You know, this is what always ha- that, that, That's what was basically happening. But thankfully... Complaining a lot to the right channels, calmly making the case. And I think uh, what I heard was that a lot of gold card people were really pissed off. And I think that was kind of worrying because the gold card policy has been lauded as being this great success in Taiwan. And if the, use, if the people with gold cards can't even get back uh, easily, then it's going to be you know a bit critical for the government. So yeah, eventually they took away that barrier of needing a COVID-19 test for foreign residents. I think people that were still coming here in that um, maybe they got like resident visas or maybe they got special permission to come back, but without ARCs, um, they still needed to get those tests done. And, you know, the thinking is they don't pay NHI, blah, blah, blah. So that's why. But I mean, as somebody that does pay NHI and I've used it as well, great system, amazing was in the hospital for five days with food poisoning, got taken care of, antibiotics right into my bloodstream through intravenous, uh, you know, the drippy thingy. Um, it's a great system. I pay for it, pay tax dollar money for it. And the worry for me is that, like the stimulus of just like $2,000, it's honestly not a crazy, you know, I'm not going to be going, oh man, I'm rich now. Fuck yeah, boy. I'm going to go down to the pub. I'm going to get so fucked up. I'm going to buy a PlayStation 5. I'm going to do this. And go- no, it's $2,000. You're probably going to have a nice family meal or something. You know, fancy family meal or whatever. And yeah, it's not a lot of money. But it's the precedent that foreign residents can pay into a system and not benefit from it. And that you can pay into a system that benefits local people but not yourself. And that... Where does it start and where does it end? Where are we protected and where are we not protected under these systems that we pay into as a concern as a foreign national in Taiwan, especially during a time of pandemics in that I could live here all my life. I can't become a Taiwanese citizen because I'd have to give up my Irish passport and there's no fucking chance I'm going to do that because my Irish identity is, it's part of me. It's, It's part of who I am. I'm not giving that up. I know it's like a passport doesn't make you Irish. Um, well... It does help, you know, it's a recognized passport around the world. Um, Maybe I should keep it. But even if I was Taiwanese with a Taiwanese passport and a household registry 
I, guess, I still wouldn't probably be accepted as being Taiwanese anyway. And that's where I come up with the term local foreigner. You know, you're local, but you're still foreign. You're foreign, but you act real local. Local foreigner. And, you know, where does it start? Where does it end? Where's the point to which... Because in, in other countries, um, foreign nationals or residents in a country that are foreign residents and local citizens that both pay into the same system get treated by the system as being the same. Um, in Ireland, I know for a fact that within local council elections, even if you are not European, if you've residency in Ireland, you can still vote in those local council elections. In Taiwan, on the other hand, um, no, if you're foreign and you pay into the system, there is a chance that you're not going to be treated as equal to local citizens that also pay into the system. And the argument is that we got to take care of our citizens first. They're most important. You don't belong here. You should go home, blah, blah, blah. Citizens first argument. Yeah, I get it. You know, you got to take care of your own in that way. But if somebody's paying into the system, that's a foreign resident that's lived there here all their life. They've given to the system. They help Taiwan in the sense of, you know, international recognition, trade, commerce, teaching. I mean, I've honestly, and I, I've fucking, back in Ireland, I've been pushing Taiwan this, Taiwan that. And even in Taiwan, I've, you know, I do support the idea of um, Taiwanese um, identity and everything else. And to be told that citizens first, it doesn't matter if you've paid into the system. We're giving everything to citizens first, even citizens that aren't paying into the system. Because they haven't lived here for a long time. And they're citizens, okay? Fuck you, foreigner. Fuck you. Fuck you. It's kind of like, well, why would I pay? Why would I want to live here and pay into a system that I'm not sure is going to protect me in the future? Where's the sense of security from contributing if when the chips get dropped, am I going to be helped? And it's an, it is an honest question, but it's a question I think foreign residents in many countries have to talk about and i think during coronavirus that's the i think the issue of the stimulus uh, the potential harm that uh blackface and other racist activities uh by individuals in taiwan could do in terms of taiwan's uh, international um image as well as um you know the the th uh, foreign uh, arc holders having to have uh, COVID-19 test. I think besides those three things, everything in Taiwan has been pretty fucking amazing, I have to say. Living here has been a privilege. And I don't think any foreign national living in Taiwan would deny that. It has been an absolute privilege. Um, being taken care of by NHI being here, um, people have not been that panicky except when they want to buy fucking toilet paper like crazy. I think the uh, there there has been a few comments here and there, and I think there's been people staring at me on the MRT here and there, but honestly, nothing that's substantial, nothing to make me say to myself, "Oh fuck, I'm definitely the foreigner in the room now. I'm going to get beaten." No, there's been some bits and pieces, but you know what? Yeah, it's still a homogenous society. They see some fucking white dude come on, accidentally sneeze into a mask. Yeah, they're probably going to freak out a bit, but whatever. You know, they're not beating me up. They're not, like, passing slight comments. The fear of the unknown. Well, not the unknown, but, you know. I haven't taken any of it that personal. I think I do memes and write about weird shit, but... On a personal level... Um, no, I've been very welcomed here. I've been happy here. I've been able to have a few drinks, social distance and all that stuff. Um, eat where I wanted to eat. Not have to worry too much about you know, the virus spreading, but still keeping a bit of an eye on it and still having to be aware that the situation could change, but that understanding that I'm in a country that has a firm grip on this. And that's something that if, even if you're Taiwanese or um, a foreign resident listening to this or somebody that's abroad overseas listening, the way Taiwan's dealt with the situation has probably been the best approach I've seen in the world. And as a foreign national, although there's been a few things that have directly affected us as a group of people, overall, the situation is fucking, it's great. You couldn't ask for anything else, right? I mean, 
it's the idea of a precedent that's worrying about if it's something bigger besides two thousand dollars and three day blah blah blah. But on a whole, I mean, I can't complain about a lockdown that hasn't happened here. I can't complain about the way the government's been running things. Um, no, it's been great. And looking at the rest of the world, I really hope that Taiwan has more inclusion. Taiwan, Taiwan's voice about how it was able to be coronavirus becomes clearer. And I really hope that in the future, Taiwan will be a case study for the rest of the world. How to have growth, economic growth during a pandemic. How to prevent a pandemic. How to uh, do what Audrey, Ta Audrey Tang did, the digital minister who created these solutions and systems in place to help prevent the spread of the virus and calm people. Taiwan is a case study. Sadly, not a recognized country, but as a case study, it can at least show the world the significance of what Taiwan has done. And in that way, even people getting to think about Taiwan as not being Thailand or Japan or Taipei 101 and shit or beef noodles early on me, you know, fucking YouTubers. Um, at least in this way, the world is starting to see Taiwan more as not just cross-strait relations have been blah, 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 or not seeing Taiwan always in relation to China, but Taiwan being rightly given the recognition it deserves as being a country that was one of the few in the world to beat back coronavirus. And I'm very privileged to be here during coronavirus, COVID-19. And I'm going to stop talking now because I just keep, I think I'm reiterating myself a lot. I, I do have some phrases where I'm just like, oh, and, uh, uh, harken back to, you know, I hear myself say it again and again. It's like, I forgot that I've said it until I've said it. All right. This has been uh, Nee How's It Going. I'm going to sign off now because it's nearly three o'clock and I need to shower and I'm pretty tired and I still have to edit this. But anyway, love you fuckers. Have a good day. I'll see you next Sunday. Goodbye.